Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. If you like your sporting contests to be farcical, facile, really, really, really confusing, and with the little guy getting screwed at the end, well then Ireland versus Italy was the sporting contest for you this weekend. Welcome to one of two Second Captains podcasts today. Football pod will be out a little bit later on. Hey Murph, hey Si. Hey Owen, hey Murph. Hey Owen, how's it going? I'm going to start in a positive here. The best thing that could be said for yesterday's game is that unlike almost every other time we have fulfilled this fixture, this one might actually live somewhat longer in the memory the only ones I was thinking about it this morning the only ones I recall I don't know if you guys have any others but over the 20 plus years that Italy have been in the Six Nations are 2007 remember that one in Rome final day yeah we yeah. ran the yes. ball like absolute lunatics racked up a cricket score mm. Kept going for it at the end. Gave away a penalty. They ended up Dennis scoring Lee, a, a yeah, try. Mistake in the old I mean, he was, by the way, 100% right to do it. Like We were trying to mm. score as many points as possible because France were going to obliterate Scotland later on. But uh, anyway, the, the we unfortunately were pipped by France who did the job on Scotland and Paris. And the only other one really, uh, I try not to remember too much about it, was, 20, was 2012 or 2013. The final day when we went to Rome and got beaten. Uh, not very mm. pleasant experience. So basically, that's it. Now, 49 years after that one, we finally have another match against Italy that might, at a push, stick in the memory for all the wrong reasons. Simon, one a you... decade on. One a decade. <laughs> one a decade that's, is a good return. Yeah. Who says Italy yeah. shouldn't be in the Six Nations? Simon, I want you to explain for somebody who had never watched a game of rugby before mm. and maybe wandered into this one for the last few minutes. What? Why was one team? Why did one team seem to have a, num- a much bigger number of players on the field than the 12 other? Twelve versus fifteen. Yeah. Oh, bizarre! Like in a crowd of fifty thousand people, including coaches and players and journalists, by the way, I'd say ninety nine point nine percent were confused. A hundred percent of them not entertained by the game. I mean, there was a, there was a flat build up. It was on a Sunday. It was Italy. We were expected to beat them. The first twenty minutes were terrible anyway. Totally stop start. No pattern to it whatsoever. Then the red. Then the many minutes confab between the the ref and his touch judges and assistants to figure out the ruling, and then eventually they 
you know, they obviously follow the rules that are set out by World Rugby. Uh, a lot of people didn't even notice it was 13 men for a while. And then everybody's <laughs> looking up why this is 13 men and it's to stop teams. This happens so rarely anyway, but if two of your uh, front rowers are eliminated through injury or red cards, it's to stop somebody faking an injury or doing a sub that brings on, say, a flanker okay. for a prop. So, so, so just to just explain the background for people who, who might be watching or, or don't even understand the sequence of events. Don't care. They, they're, yeah, they're, don't, maybe don't care enough. I'm going to explain it to those people, those apathetic people, and I'm going to tell make you guys. Make them care, old. I'm going to make you care. With, with uh, multiple references to the World Rugby rules and regulations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Italy hooker, <laughs> Lucchese, was injured, so he went out. Then his replacement, Faiva, who came on, he was the one who was red carded. Yep. So you're telling me, Sai, that the reason... So he was red carded, but then somebody else was also effectively red carded. They, ha- they, got, they got a second player sent off for the rest of the game yep. to avoid a scenario where somebody in Faiva's situation could... That basically deli- be deli- now he, he wasn't doing this, but could be deliberately going around trying to get a red card because that would leave his team with uncontested scrums in the game, which I don't know was would have been a benefit to Italy anyway in this case. So it's a rule set up for this scenario, but is it is it as nonsensical? Is it as farcical as everyone makes out? Is there is there actually yeah. a logic to it being there in the first place? Well, it I think it's happened a couple of times in club games where a player brought on a flanker or a winger, you know, in the front row, and he's just leaning in in an uncontested scrum. So they have this really fast guy instead of a proper hooker. And as Andy Friend tweeted, like the idea is safety. So you don't have a guy who's not prepared for front row. You, you have to train to, for that position, obviously, uh, for it to be safe. But then Andy Friend tweeted, he said, so the longer this game goes on, the more bizarre that ruling becomes. Under the guise of player safety, which I fully support, we now ask 13 men plus four eligible reserves to play for 60 minutes against 23 fit players. This law needs <laughs> to change. And... There, I, I think people were saying afterwards, if this had happened to, say, New Zealand or South Africa, they'd definitely change the law next week. But people are wondering because it's happened in Italy, oh, we all move on, it'll never happen again. But I, I kind of feel it was so farcical. The players themselves were, you could tell it changed their whole mindset. Not that Ireland were playing brilliantly up to that point, but they played a lot worse, actually, when they were facing 13 men. The calculation here appears to be that uh, if you're getting destroyed in the scrum, it's it's an advantage to you to have fourteen players rather than fifteen in the re, in you know the regular flow of events than it is to, for you to have uncontested. How could you make the calculation that going to uncontested scrums is a better uh, uh, is a better deal for your team than than um, than than keeping fifteen on the field? I don't I don't understand that. And the other thing is, I mean, they're uncontested, so you could actually have any player just lean in there. There isn't actually even a safety issue once there's uncontested scrums. Anybody, a scrum half, could do that if they needed to. Mm. And uh, it's just one of those weird little. The, well, the, like it's a sport. It, it's a sport it, with it, too many it, laws it's anyway. The, it's the safety it's, issue, though. But yeah, it's the safety issue, though. Not that the idea that there could be theoretically a player trying to get themselves sent off to create this scenario of un- un- uncontested scrums. I think it's more to fake injury and go off. Right. I don't know okay. if it's about getting a deliberate uh, as opposed to deliberately yeah. getting yeah. Yeah. But I t- I, yeah. The thing with that though, the thing with that though, that's weird to me is that if this, if the injury comes before the sending off, then obviously it should be a different calculation. You know, if you get sent off and then the hooker realizes, oh god, if I feign an injury here, I can get taken off, and uh, and then we go to uncontested scrums. Whereas with a, with a sending, like that's that's kind of the point I'm yeah. making. It's like no one would willingly get sent off because you're you're redu- you're reducing 
you know, yep. they, you're 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 hurting the team in other areas of the field rather than just the scrum. That, and that's kind of what makes it odd to me. I mean, if the if the order was the other way around, the sending off came first, then the injury, then you know, then I can see why maybe the rule has some, there is some basis in in uh, in having the rule. But when it's the other, when it's the way it happened on on Sunday, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Simon, you made the point there mad. that yeah, you made the point that everybody seemed kind of confused by the whole thing and, mm. and bemused by it. Here is the Ireland coach Andy Farrell talking to Virgin Media after the game. It's weird, isn't it? You know, um, it's, it's, it's a strange old situation, and uh, it's as strange for us as it is for them. You know, and uh, yeah, I suppose we know why the rule came in many moons ago. There was a game that went on for 100 minutes, and uh, you know we. We, we, we changed the rule and I suppose it takes a game like this to for us to have a look at it properly again. I thought the game went stale, didn't it? And rightly so. Uh, Italy was trying to slow the ball, uh, slow the game down and that's what they had to do. And So Farrell sounds as bemused as everybody, Simon, which yeah. is called it weird. Yeah, weird. And see, for him and for the Irish players, they didn't actually get anything out of that game. I'd say they surprised themselves by how badly they played, but also... You know, you're mentally prepping originally. You're trying to convince yourself you might lose to Italy, you know, and that is a challenge. So you have to sort of prepare as if it's France or England, but it's not, it's Italy. But you have to be as sharp, hopefully, as if you're facing a team that might beat you, even though they've been losing every game since 2015. Then they go down to 14 and you're adjusting again to convince yourself that there's a chance you might lose. And then it goes to 13. And I think in your head, this game's already won. Do I still have to pass the ball and run and do all those other bits? Now, it's still no excuse for Ireland. I think they should be able to adjust. But I think the main thing for, in general anyway, actually teams don't particularly like facing 14 players. It's strange how often, remember in the last Six Nations, I know Wales won a lot of games um, facing 14 men, but also there's a lot of times... Just about. They played really badly against us for a a large period of time at 14 men. We played really well after Peter Manny went off until half time, and then we kind of went back to where we <laughs> the, were. The, but. The, it's funny though; the stats on the sin bin are, are generally that if a player is in the bin for ten minutes, there seems to be a marked increase in scoring rate from the opposition. But for some reason, that doesn't always translate when though. it goes. Has the, it gone down? Yeah, as well? right, right, right. Teams are adjusting really well to the yellow and really well now to the red, as it's becoming more common as we adjust to the tackle laws and people clearing out in dangerous manner and all that sort of stuff. So the reds are becoming more common and as a result, whereas it used to be so rare, remember Jamie Heasup got sent off against New Zealand, he stood on our elbowed Richie McCall, I think it was. It might have been a knee, I think, yeah. I remember a knee, that was it. Really. And then it was like, this game is over and it was New Zealand anyway, but it used to be 10 years ago, red card, this game is over, not only is it over, it's a pathetic game of rugby, whereas it actually teams are, are starting to figure it out and defences are so smart now anyway that they're getting better at dealing with uh, mismatches and all that sort of stuff. So I think you could have coped with 13, then it's it's a, it's a nothing game. The other debate was over the actual red card itself. And I was kind of surprised. There's still so many people in rugby. And I'm getting WhatsApps as well of people who played it and going, oh, that's crazy. There was no intent behind it. But just to realize the game is dead and there's potential court cases, probable court cases coming that could totally cripple the game financially and... They're aware of that in world rugby and they need to be seen to be really efficient and fair and thorough on this matter. And there's no room. I mean, we, Rob Carney said after it's so hard for players, they're, they're learning to tackle one way for 20 years and then they have to change in the last couple of years. So be it, though. There's loads of changes. As Shane Horgan mentioned also, we've also adjusted to tackling a man who's jumping in the air to catch the ball and everybody's adjusted and people will slowly adjust and in the meantime there'll be a few reds but 
you got to get lower. And if you can't make the lower tackle or you can't adjust in the last few seconds, then don't go in and expose yourself to that potential bad decision. It's like throwing a pass that's an intercept. That's a millisecond thing, whether it's a really good pass or a really bad pass. And players have to make that decision. But the punishment for this is so severe that defense coaches and tackle coaches they need to emphasize the weighting on how poor a decision this is. If you make a high tackle, you've probably lost your team the game. So, as I say, the emphasis on it should be huge. I yeah. mean, it's it's the worst mistake you can make in a game. And Peter Manny was kind of saying afterwards, oh, there was no intent in it either. Yeah, but Peter Manny, from a, that, you know, one of the Irish players said it shouldn't have been a red card. The red yeah. cards like that do the game no favors. I don't think there was any intent there. Now, Peter Manny himself was in a situation as we mentioned there that he got sent off last year so maybe that's fresh in his head specifically he knows what it feels like to be walking off the pitch after an incident like that and I I, I know what he means and I know I I understand the basic point that people are making who are saying it shouldn't have been a red card in that it's compared to ones from five ten years ago for the type of things that had to be a red punches card or standing like, on somebody's back or face yeah or, really yeah. yeah and even the high tackle had to be re- you know it, w- it would look even worse than what we saw the other day but you know when I, when I say I understand what they're saying I don't actually agree with what they're saying uh, you know it's it seemed like again it's it, it seemed like a red card like and it, I don't think anyone's disputing by the way that by law it was a red card so uh, you know it's not even one of these ones where it's a grey area other than the mitigation thing because the, the referees said there was no mitigation whereas it looked like Sheehan was, it was Sheehan wasn't it yeah. it looked like he, he was you know he was dipping slightly so there might be a tiny bit of mitigation but uh, I wouldn't have thought anywhere near enough anyway they decided on the field that there wasn't mitigation at all yeah. so once that's decided it's straight red it's pretty clear yeah and I'm a little undecided on what they're doing in the southern hemisphere where they're suggesting taking a 20 minute red card and that player never comes back on so Say, uh, say it's the Italian hooker, he goes off, Italy are down to 14 men, but then somebody else can come on after 20 minutes. So you're damaging your own career by getting a red card, so you still feel all that pain and you get the, the game ban or whatever it is, or a sighting, but your team isn't completely crippled and somebody else comes on after 20 minutes. That might work, but then there's always the, does that actually register with a player in, in dangerous foul play? Does he actually... He knows he's not hurting his team that much, so does he act a little more recklessly? But you don't actually see many deliberate acts of foul play anymore. A guy losing the cool, sure you don't. It's mm-hmm. it's nearly always like a mistimed clear out, a tackle that he wants to hit somebody really hard, and he just doesn't dip uh, quick enough or doesn't react quickly to the other player uh, changing direction quickly enough. So I don't know. I think that might be there. Might need to be a sort of halfway house between a yellow and a red. We're going to have Shane and Andrew Trimble on the show tomorrow for World Service members where we'll be talking about all the other strands such as Michael Lowry's performance from from the moment pre-match in the dressing room looking pretty pumped to his performance to his uh, unselfish and I would say disgraceful decision to give up a hat-trick on his international debut to let James Lowe score a try. I'm glad that's how what you characterized it all. Michael Larry should never right. play for Ireland again. Shameful. After that, <laughs> shameful. Uh, he'll be regretting that one when he's looking back at his international career in many years. But really good performance from him. Meanwhile, France go rumbling on at the expense of poor old Scotland. You know, I have a huge amount of belief within the boys um, to come down here and win. I believed in the boys' ability. <laughs> Scotland are a disgrace to work for. <laughs> Murrayfield, Edinburgh, Scotland. It's the 38th minute of the first half and the score is 10-12 in favour of the visitors, France. 
Dune van der Merve makes a surging break to blow apart the French defence. Moments later, Chris Harris is throwing a pass into space for... <sighs> Stuart William. He's throwing a pass into space. Ah, let's, let's just listen to the official Global Six Nations commentary by Voice of Rugby, Mark Robson. Uh-oh. Oh, Russell's coming at court. Tries to get it to do that. Van der Merwe, and he's gone. And the big monster's away. This could be one of the great tries. Oh, Harris tries to find Stuart Hogg. And it was open prayer. So I'm just checking the transcript of this, uh, which I typed out to ensure I didn't miss anything. And uh, I'm just going to read this back to myself. I just like the fact that, I like the fact that it was too painful for you, Murph, to bring yourself to utter the words. You had to leave it to Mark Robson there, but n- now you're back. Continue. Sorry, yeah, I actually I have the transcript here. So I'm yeah, just, just, take sorry, the just, yeah. just getting this here, yeah. This could be one of the great tries audible groans. <laughs> uh, listen, we know how it all turned out after that horror dropped pass from Scotland team captain Stuart William Hogg. France go back up the field, score a try before half time. They run out 36 17 winners. But Scotland are learning so much from the Six Nations if they can just find that bit of consistency because, in flashes, they've actually been audible groans. Play the bed, Killian, for God's sake, please. You know, I had a huge amount of belief within the boys um, to come down here and win. Stuart Hogg turns up to her fucking winning the bloody world. I love it. Stuart Hogg. I believed in the boys' ability. Man of the <laughs> Scotland are a disgrace to work for. Ah, <laughs> uh, Stuart William. Stuart sure, William, William, I just don't know. Like every week, <laughs> you know, so, 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 so at some stage, you know, there'll be nothing to say about the Scotland rugby team. But that day doesn't ever really seem like it's going to come. Described by the man himself as a schoolboy error, Stuart Hogg. It's a horrible feeling. He says, we've spoken a lot in the changing room about what's needed going into the last two weeks of Six Nations. It is a horrible feeling right now. But the worst thing for me is having to wait another two weeks until we play again. I know I speak on behalf of the whole squad when I say we would love to play Italy tomorrow. (laughs) That's what everyone says in the Six Nations every week. Stuart William. But there you go. Wow. Okay, that's it for today. We've got Shane Trimble tomorrow for World Service members. Also this week, our latest episode of the Second Captain's Book Club. This is going to be a big one. We're doing Norman Mailer's The Fight, his classic account of the rumble in the jungle. Katrina Crow, one of her favourite ever guests on our radio show, is going to be the reviewer. And we're not far away now from our Gangs All Here shows in the Liberty Hall, but thanks to O'Hara's Irish Craft Beers, six nights across the month of March. Six nights and two batches across the month of March. If you have a ticket for any of those shows, we're going to be mailing you today with some details. So keep a little eye out for that one. And to become a member of the Second Captain's World Service, it is secondcaptains.com. It's the website to go to. Five euro a month plus fat. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Stuart William. Thanks for listening. Chat to you soon. A lot of times you say something on this show and you're like, geez, you know, that could come back to bite me in the arse now, you know. Like, I can just come out and say what I like about the Scotland rugby team. They will, you'll never ever get a chance to play audio back to me and be like, Murph, what were you thinking? How could you have come out and said such a thing? Oh, Florida, Scotland. When will we see your like again? Scotland are a disgrace to Wordsworth. That fought and died for the jobs. Here we 
be telling Glenn stood against him. My name's Jacqueline McCaffrey. Proud Edward's army. You're always on the same tail. Never fuck. And sent him home. The Scotland rugby team, the sporting world's greatest pinata. I think again. <laughs> And I'll, I'll never be called out. It's the <laughs> freedom that I have. Three Scotsmen. It's been that all day, and it's come loose. And Hamish Watson belted into the sand, and that is it. And 38 years of hurt are over for Scottish rugby. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.